Welcome to the Beverly Hills Plastic Surgery Podcast. I'm Dr. Jay Calvert, here today, once again, with Dr. Millicent Ravello. Good evening. How are you doing, Dr. Ravello? I'm doing pretty well. I had a full day of cases today, which always puts me in a pretty good mood. So, what'd do, you do? Doing all right. Well, funny that you should ask. I actually did Was a. Was that funny? It's it wasn't funny. That funny. It's, well, it's not. Okay. Because you sure. asked. <laughs> um, I did a pretty extended tummy tuck today. And we are talking about abdominoplasty. Tummy tucks. Sure are. So there you go. All yep. right. So an extended tummy extended. tuck. Extended. Like extended all the way around. <laughs> extended. <laughs> well, it should have been. So a little bit off topic from what we're going to focus on on this podcast. It was for a massive weight loss patient who just had a ton of skin. So we ended up doing what's called a floor de lis abdominoplasty uh, with a, a lot of liposuction as well. So those are some big words for a girl well. from New Orleans. <laughs> well, thank you. Thank you very much. <laughs> floor de lis. Floor de lis. Being that you made a cut up a and down the abdomen, right. a vertical, along with the horizontal. transverse horizontal, right. and then wrapped it around because it's an extended because there's so much ex- there's a lot extensive a lot of skin. I think I sewed. Maybe a half mile worth of skin today. <laughs> Somebody's got to do it. And that's good news. And But that's a whole topic for a, a different podcast. Well, cool. Uh, tell me then, if you, if you can, the differences in the types of tummy tucks that we want to talk about. So tummy tucks or abdominoplasties, which is the medical term for them, really just mean that you are cutting out extra skin of the abdomen. And it's for women, men that have had for whatever reason, extra skin that they can't get rid of by diet or exercise. And so there is a huge range of tummy tucks that can be done. And it ranges from what's called a mini tummy tuck, which is basically what it sounds like, to a standard tummy tuck, which we can go into detail on, to the very extensive ones, which I do for the massive weight loss patients, which is, like we said, a whole different ballgame. And then the fleur-de-lis. Is and then the fleur-de-lis. <laughs> That's when you're like pulling out all the stops. That, yes. that's that's a big that's when you're tuck. really committing to the tummy tuck but it's good i mean uh you know and that's the key is is evaluation as all in all things plastic surgery it's making a diagnosis evaluation and making a plan based on where you want to get to right right um when you're talking about the tummy tuck you have to talk about the scar right because that's what people always ask about that's what they want to know about and so you have to know that you're going to commit to some level of scar and that's where the mini to extended version comes in so i think the question you have to ask on evaluation who is a candidate for a tummy tuck why would we be doing it so i mean who are the patients you usually get well i get a very wide range uh anywhere from the massive tum- massive weight loss patients who really need a lot of skin taken off to the moms who've had some babies and they uh, don't like the C-section scar where the skin right. has kind of fallen over it right. to like I lost all this weight, but it doesn't go away from my abdomen to the uh, what I call the Newport Beach tummy tuck, which is that I just have my muscles have been destroyed by these babies <laughs> yeah. and I don't have any skin to take away. Right. Right. So there's there's a whole range and the mini fits in there somewhere. And then there's something called the marriage abdominoplasty, which marries the mini tummy tuck with some lipo, aggressive liposuction. So it, it's all about fitting the operation to the patient's Correct. situation. Right. And it's, I mean, every patient's different. Every body's different. So every surgery is going to be different. Um, and I think that to start, let's talk about first the standard 
abdominal plasty and what that includes. And then we can sort of branch off into the different kinds and who might be a candidate for what. For what. But for a standard abdominal plasty or a standard tummy tuck, this is going to be a patient that has a mild to moderate or large amount of extra skin, usually from pregnancy. It can just be from patients that are older and have developed loose skin over time. Um, But usually it's from people who've had pregnancy or multiple babies. And so not only do they have extra skin, but they also have what we call a lax abdominal wall, or their six-pack muscles, which usually are tight and together, have been stretched out over time. And so they need to be brought back together. And then there's any given range of a little bit of extra fat as well. So generally speaking, a tummy tuck is going to include some version of liposuction. I usually do liposuction of at least the flanks on almost all my patients. Agreed. But sometimes I do it of the abdomen as well if needed. And then an incision on the lower abdomen, which usually goes, I tell my patients sort of hip to hip, like a little smile. That's the standard. At hip to hip. And I put it pretty low. So it's going to be hidden under your bikini. And then to really get all the extra skin out from the top of the sternum down to the lower abdomen abdomen, you have to what we call translocate the, from the bottom button. of the sternum. The bottom. Don't go. <laughs> the bottom. If correct. you can get it from the top of the sternum, I want to see that. That's going to be... I'm putting your chin on top uh, of your pubis. That's no. right. No, 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 no. <laughs> the bottom of your stern- sternum to the pubic right. bone. Um, so we have to do what's called a translocation of the umbilicus or the belly button. And that's where you cut all the way around the belly button to sort of separate it from the abdominal skin and then pull all that upper abdominal skin over it and then make a new hole for it to come through. Right, it's like a window shade coming down. A window shade. Poke, uh, poke the umbilicus, the belly new, button, through the shade Through itself. a new opening, right. And then before we do all that, we do tighten up the muscles. We tie them together. We bring them in. Kind of think of it as like an internal corset, if you will, and bring those muscles back to the midline and strengthen them where they belong. And then you sew it up. And that's your basic tummy tuck. Right, and it's really seen... A, a, men typically don't need the muscles put together unless they were heavy weightlifters or something right, and have right. really s- stretched out their their six-pack muscles yeah. and have a big gap in between them. But mostly it's for women who've had babies, especially in the lower abdomen where, again, we've, we've talked about this before on another podcast, where in the lower abdomen there's less abdominal wall because it's your the abdomen is designed to stretch with the uterine growth. Right, right. So sewing those muscles back together really brings back, turns the flabdominals into the abdominals Right, again. so that little pooch that you can get of the lower abdomen can really be improved by just tightening up those muscles. It just sort of cinches everything and tightens it back to where it belongs. And it, it looks great. <laughs> That's the bottom line. I mean, there are it scars, does. but it looks amazing. It does. And if you can wrap your head around the scars, then yeah, I mean, you can get an amazing result. That you lasts. Be, it really got, does last. For sure. And you yeah. got to be okay with the scars because the scars are big. I mean, a hip-to-hip scar is legit. Yeah. Now, if you already have a C-section scar, then most people are saying, well, you know, I'm already in for the C-section scar. Right. So why not you know, go ahead and, and extend it and get a great-looking abdomen? Right, which sort of brings us to the mini abdominoplasty. And, and the mini abdominoplasty is for a very specific subset of women. And why it's called a mini is because the scar can sometimes be smaller, or they're not always, but it's typically a little bit smaller, not quite as wide. But the main thing with the mini is that you're not making a new hole for the belly right. button. You're leaving the belly button in place. Right. So you're really addressing mainly the lower abdomen, everything below the belly button. So this is specific to women that don't have a lot of extra skin 
above the belly button and really just want to get that lower abdomen addressed. And you can kind of figure that out by asking the patient to bend over into diver's position. You know, yeah. get them like they're up on the blocks to dive into a pool and you can see if that upper abdomen hangs. It's going to hang right. after surgery if you do right. a mini. Right. And then you, that falls under the category of mini operation. Mini, mini result. result. And that's right. no good. Right. So you, the upper abdominal laxity does not get addressed no. with this operation. And it, it, it's a total disaster when you don't do the right operation for an abdominal It really prostate. is. It, it's distressing. It's, it's bad. And I think, you know, I, I will do the mini in the right patient. Um, but I've had a kind of... I seem of a, to always do it in the wrong patient. I've kind of had... I, gonna, I, I, I swear to God. I was about to say, I was going to have just, sort of I, a, a bad taste in my mouth totally. because I've sort of been pushed into doing mini abdominal plasties because patients didn't want to have the belly button scar. Right. And then I was always just really dissatisfied with the results. Yep. I mean, you can't get the upper abdominal tightness that you get no. with a... Which but, you know, looks again, really great. I mean, if you do it in the right patient and you really cinch that skin down and tighten up the muscles, the results are amazing. And the extra scar around the belly button, I think, is a minor, you know, sacrifice to a really great result. Well, it depends how you do it, though. I mean, if you... I, I like to do a little chevron incision so that you get a, a little hooding. That's what I the, do. Do you really? <laughs> yeah. I think that's the way to do it. I think it. that looks great. It gives it great belly buttons. And I you really can, like you it. can hide the scar in there yeah. and then you can do microneedling. Like there's a lot you can do because right. the scars are there. I am not going to sit here and be like, oh, and you won't have any scars. You're going to have, have scars, scars for sure. But the contour is ridiculous. And I think that some people get scared because there are some, you know, manufactured belly buttons out there, usually from older tummy tucks from the past which do look awful i'll give them that they're I've really that they're really like large actually. like a silver dollar <laughs> like they just they look bad and a so, sunburst yes I mean, tortellini so yes if, if you're looking dollar, at those yeah. those those scars around the belly button yeah it can easily scare you yeah but i have seen some guys whose technique is to make it look like really odd but then over time it like heals up like, especially the tortellini technique. Uh, there's one surgeon that comes to mind mm. that uh, must be Italian or something. But the uh, it just looks bizarre for a year. Hmm. And my patients aren't willing to go no. a year for bizarre. No. Bizarre. Bikini season's coming. That's right. Yeah. At some point it is. Right. Well, that's good. And then the marriage abdominoplasty, I like to mention, because that was like a Pittsburgh thing, where we did, it was a Ken Shestak paper, and it was, um, we did the mini, sewed the muscles, from sternum to to the pubis under endoscopic guidance mm. lifted it up yeah. but aggressive suctioning of the upper abdomen and lower abdomen and that uh that would sometimes be okay mm. yeah the problem with that depending on who you're doing it in i, I think uh, my concern would be if you're really doing aggressive suctioning and you're tightening up those muscles you're going to make whatever skin you have left there even more lax Especially if they've already had a baby, I, and I then agree. you're not, but then you're not taking it out. No, I know, and so that's uh, my believe problem. me, that's been a that that results in dissatisfaction. Yeah. Well, we talked about the mini. We talked about the standard abdominoplasty. Let's talk about recovery. Recovery is tough. That's the yeah. that's the trick. You need time to recover from this time. operation. Right. You can't just like have this done on Monday and back to work on Friday. No, in fact, you need a solid, I would say two weeks at least off. 
Two weeks. Two weeks is good. That's Three, if you can babies. take it. Three would be better, but two is right. acceptable. But really, no heavy lifting, no working out. I say for a good six to eight weeks, which is a long time, but you want those scars to heal well. We've put your muscles back together, and if they have been really separated to start, you want those muscles to heal back together. So you can be back to work. You can do your activities of daily living two, three weeks, but really I don't want any extra stress working out weightlifting for a good six to eight weeks. Yeah, I mean, that that's key. You're going to have drains. So drains are... Or not. Or not. Or there not. is drainless. There I've is done, drainless. I do drainless in select people. I do them in select people, small amount of skin. Right. Yeah. Not, Which not is not the, my usual patient, unfortunately. <laughs> not the extended. <laughs> I mean, because think how much you'd have to sew down. You'd be there yeah, for 17 no. hours trying to sew no, the flap down. Yeah. No. So what we're talking about is that we use drains. When we pick up the skin and make a big space under the skin, we put in these tubes that suck the fluid out and get the skin to stick down to the musculature so that you are reconstructed. If you aren't going to use drains, then you have to do like quilting sutures where you literally sew the skin flap down to the muscle fascia, which works great. Mm -hmm. Um, I think it looks great. And you can do some, there's some tensioning things you can do uh, to actually help the abdominoplasty result with the drainless tummy tuck, which uh, again, I'll do in select people. I don't do it in everybody. And for some reason, those aren't my patients most of the time either. Um, So I wind up using drains on the bigger undermining cases. Right. Because the body's natural response to lifting up that much skin and doing all that work is to create fluid. That's sort of just a natural response. And that fluid has to go somewhere. So if you don't have drains in there, then you'll form a fluid collection called a seroma, which can be problematic. And then the drainless, which uses the quilting sutures, sort of eliminates that space. And that's why you don't have to use drains. And I really only do that for my small sort of mommy makeover, you know, just had one or two babies, don't have a lot of skin kind of patients. But when you're dealing with large amounts of skin or you've done a lot of liposuction, I just, I'm safer with a drain. Yeah, and, and I've still had to drain seromas on drainless tummy tucks, too. I mean, they still form fluid pockets. In fact, with drains, I rarely get a seroma. Very rarely, yeah. Rarely. But with drainless, I tend to get more seromas because you can't close all the space. Right. I mean, uh, you can, but you're going to be there, again, for a very, very long time. It makes the operation unsafe. And I think it's bad for the skin, to tell you the truth. So I think, again, it's all about patient selection. It's about fitting the right operation to your patient situation right so i think we digress we're talking about recovery we're talking about the drains um oh that first week i mean i think we all do this your patients have to walk bent over because when you pull them down sort of as to pull that skin as tight as you can it's pretty painful to stand up straight so my patients walk around sort of bent over at about 30 degrees. If I say the first week, they sleep in what I call the beach chair position, which is exactly what it sounds like. Right, your head's right. up, your feet are up, you know, you got your pina colada in your hand, beach chair <laughs> position. But don't drink but don't. pina coladas. <laughs> not, not in the Virgin, recovery. you can have virgin ones. There you go. Um, and that's that positioning is for a week. After a week, I tell them they can start standing up straight. They can start sleeping however they want because at that point, they're more or less their skin edges have healed and they can sort of start to stretch out again. Um, what else? Uh, returning to exercise, I think you said six to eight weeks. Yeah. That's always a big question because obviously these are people that want to look great, and so they're sure, right. <laughs> they're doing this, yeah. but. I'll let them get to like doing some arm stuff yeah. pretty early. I'll let them do like recumbent bike at about four to six weeks, depending on how they're sure. feeling. Um, but yeah, it's like six to eight weeks before you're right. kind of getting back into it. 
Right. Otherwise, you're going to have a problem. Yeah, I mean, you're putting a big uh, time and effort into this, so you really want to make sure that you recover and don't do any harm. And then once we get into puppy, I would say the two, three-week mark, if drains are out and they're recovering well, that's when I start talking about scar therapy because that always comes up around this time. And yeah, people want to do stuff to their scars. Yeah, they really. Oh, can we laser it? Can we do this? I'm I get put that. this on there. I get can that I all it? the time. Oh, when okay. can I laser it? <laughs> like, can we just heal it just first? Let it, leave it, let, it, let it be. <laughs> let it be. Let just it, let it heal. Yeah, but I mean, I know we talked about this with the breast reduction podcast. Silic- uh, silicone strips, silicone gel. I'm a big fan of. Yes. So I say, once you're healed, once your wound is fine, then I would say, and I do suggest that you do start doing some kind of silicone therapy early on. Yeah, and I mean, it, and continue it for a good at least three months to really see the full results of that therapy. Yeah, and if the scars become hypertrophic, we can inject them, yeah. we can laser them. There's a whole bunch of things we can sure. do, but again, we don't attack that until we need you're to. a little further into right. the healing part. Right. Yeah, don't like take the stereo strips off and start you know putting <laughs> some you know yucca plant extract oh from you know your great grandmother in Mexico or something that you know. Right. They said, I mean, I've seen stuff put on I my know. wounds. I'm like. Where did you get this? Like, I mean, you, were, you looked great at week two and week three, and they come back at week four, and I'm like, what happened to your wound? Well, I've been doing the Arnica gel, and I've been putting some aloe vera on it, right. and I've been doing the... my friend <laughs> told me to use cannabis oil and... Stop. Just oh, stop. You know what's the worst? <laughs> Neosporin. Uh, I hate Neosporin. Yeah, Neosporin's no No offense, good. Johnson & Johnson, but most yeah. people develop dermatitis to it. Yeah, it's very irritating. I became aware of that at the Children's Hospital of Pittsburgh Hmm. when every patient would come back from their whatever operation we did with a red inflamed wound, but it didn't look infected. It just looked terrible. And it turns out in the post-op instructions, the recovery room was giving, it said, and slather the wound in Neosporin. Oh, no. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, no. Most people are pretty intolerant to it. Yeah. Yeah. Don't don't do that. Don't do that. Yeah. Yeah. don't, Don't do that. Just listen to your doctor. They will tell you how they want you to care for your wounds. And if it doesn't say it in the post-op instructions, don't do it. Right. I couldn't agree more. You can really make problems. No, you really can. <laughs> and especially really can. like the massive weight loss patients. I mean, the, the wound complication rate is 100%. Unfortunately, It, yes. it is. It's yeah. 100%. Yeah, 100%. There's going to be a wound problem. Right. There's just too much skin. It's too long. The, the, yeah. the incision is, you know, it's feet. Right. Right. And they're going to be a problem. So you got, you've got to... You got to pay attention. You got to listen to your doctor. Don't do stuff that they don't tell you. And yes, be prepared to take care of the wounds. And I think the last thing I would say, you know, for if you're thinking about having a tummy tuck or an abdominoplasty, um, and we should have maybe said this earlier, you sort of have to be at your goal weight, whatever that is for you. Yes, that's very helpful. Because if you have your tummy tuck and that jumpstarts some mad fitness craze and you go on to lose, you know, another 20 pounds, You'll need another tummy You'll tuck. You'll need another tummy tuck, right? Because your skin <laughs> totally. is going to stretch out again. So use, you know, whatever time you need to get to your goal weight. Make sure it's a reasonable thing that you can actually get to. And then get your tummy tuck. And then don't lose a crazy amount afterward. Or or get pregnant. <laughs> That's a- Pregnancy after tummy tucks I've seen, and it's not pretty. Yeah. So ideally, have finished your childbearing, because yes. that's sort of key. Um, otherwise, yes, you'll have that same problem where you stretch everything out again. And stretch it out funky. Yeah. It doesn't. It's not good. I've seen it. Yeah. It's happened. You know, not not on purpose sometimes, right, but right. 
you know, you carry the pregnancy out, you get through it, but like the uterus has to go places it doesn't want to go and you know, the it's stretching a, It's is not, not going to hurt and, the baby by no, no means. The baby's baby will fine. Be fine. Baby will make room for itself. Of course it will. <laughs> don't don't you worry. Those babies know yeah, how to get yeah, out. Yeah. They're so good. it's not a safety thing. It's just your skin will suffer. And you will need another tummy tuck. Yeah, for, for sure. sure. All right. Well, I think we kind of nailed it. Yeah, I got it. Well, I uh I think at some point down the road, we should get into the massive weight loss conversation. Yes, for so sure. That's next. on the radar. All righty. Well, this is the Beverly Hills Plastic Surgery Podcast coming to you from the 90210. The Beverly Hills Plastic Surgery Podcast is brought to you by Rock Spa. This is Medi Spa, located both in Beverly Hills and Newport Beach, providing services such as Botox, fillers, lasers, and all therapy, as well as hydrofacials, and all the aesthetic products you could possibly need. It's run by the medical director, me, Dr. Jay Calvert. Rock Spa Beverly Hills is located at 120 South Spalding Drive in Suite 340, Beverly Hills, 90212. The phone number there is 310-777-0496. And Rock Spa Newport Beach is located at 1617 West Cliff Drive. Newport Beach, California, 92660. The phone number there is 949-644-1111. You can go to their respective websites, rockspanewportbeach.com or rockspabeverlyhills.com. Rockspa was created to help my patients maintain their aesthetic beauty in between whatever operations they have throughout their lives. It's something that allows patients to come in, get their facials, skin treatments, take care of all the Botox fillers and lasers that they need to keep up their beauty. And if they've invested in any of the aesthetic operations I perform, it's the way to maintain those operations. If you mention this podcast, you will get the member's pricing for your hydrofacial. The Beverly Hills Plastic Surgery Podcast is the way that Dr. Ravello and I talk about the issues that are important to us in plastic surgery. But there's nothing better than getting to take care of our patients and do plastic surgery. Our practices are located in Beverly Hills, and I also have a satellite office in Newport Beach. You can learn about my practice at drcalvert.com, and you can reach my office by calling 310-777-8800, and that will get you an appointment either in Beverly Hills or at the Newport Beach office. My practice is located in Beverly Hills. Our office phone number is 310-954-1355. You can also contact us directly through the website, which is rovelloplasticsurgery.com. We look forward to seeing you in the office for some aesthetic tune-ups.